So a bit of a bit of ritual that you that you see when you come here is meant to. This is how I interpret it and how it 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 grounds me. But it's it's meant to ground us, you know, outside of our own egos and all the kind of extra <laughs> that we bring with us everywhere and ground us rather in um, the refuge of this practice. That's what we're chanting at the beginning. I take refuge in the Buddha, uh, the potential to be awake to the way things really are. Uh, I take refuge in the Dhamma, the potential to um, the truth, the reality, the Buddhist teachings, and I take uh, refuge in the Sangha, uh, which is the community of, of Buddhist practitioners, people who have devoted their, their lives and their efforts to cultivating that inner uh, wisdom and equanimity and joy. <sighs> So in the chanting, there's that kind of setting aside what I've brought here with me. And in the bowing, it's the same. Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha. Uh, and all of that settling in, all that landing into the space uh, is an opportunity to uh, just set aside what's uh, got us caught up in our ordinary lives, in our day-to-day -day lives. Things follow us in the door here uh, from this morning, but they also follow us in the door here from 25 years ago. You know, it's, <laughs> it's like hand in hand <laughs> because that's how our minds and hearts are. It's all kind of some things are stickier than others and so this kind of ritual is a way to say, not now, <laughs> I can pick you back up later, uh, but now I'm going to settle into the space, to the way things are, to the um, goodness of the community. <clears throat> Today is a Orthodox Easter, <laughs> Christian Orthodox Easter. It's a big, big deal in many parts of the world. Uh, and it's also the, the two month anniversary, unfortunately, of the war in Ukraine. So Orthodox Easter is um, it's a really painful day this year for many people who practice Orthodox Christianity. And I was listening to a to an Orthodox priest here in Portland talk about, you know, what today means and what it means in the context of the war in Ukraine. And, and he talked about suffering. You know, he of course, their framework is different than our framework, or the Christian framework is different than the Buddhist framework. Um, but he talked about suffering at length 
uh, with this reporter, you know, and he said, and those of us who've been connected with the Christian faith in the past, you know, I've heard this, but uh, that Jesus uh, suffered unjustly. And so when we suffer unjustly um, for people in that faith, they can take solace and lessons uh, from how Jesus suffered unjustly. And it's a way of settling the mind, settling the heart, and recognizing that there is kind of this universality, universality in suffering. Buddhists also, um, you know, are accused of getting focused on suffering. <laughs> and even, um, you know, on occasion, we're called nihilists and this sort of thing. <laughs> All suffering, it's about suffering. Um, but we look at it a little bit differently and maybe a lot differently than some of the other faiths. And then, Orthodox Christianity, um, and how the Buddha taught suffering was that it is a fact of our existence. There is suffering. That was the first noble truth. There it is. <laughs> we are in the midst of suffering. Uh, we're in the midst of um, what doesn't feel good, what uh, chafes against us. Uh, we're in the midst of what we don't like, what we uh, don't love. A lot of the time, we're separated from what we do love. We're separated from what feels good. Uh, we're not with our loved ones, or we're with people who uh, really are irritating. <laughs> uh, we have, you know, a wonderful, you know, place, soft place to land when we go home every day or we don't. You know, we wish we did or we wish it was different. Uh, Buddha talked about suffering in the context of our responses to the normal things, the typical activities of the world. And you know, and the messages, it's really universal. And so we can connect with each other. You know, often when, when I'm suffering and when you're suffering, uh, there's a wedge there. We might be suffering because of each other. <laughs> so there's a wedge there. Uh, but what the Buddha taught uh, is that there's a universality there, that we're both feeling this way because we don't, we're not getting what we want, that something's happening, that we feel something's happening to us that's really uncomfortable. And um, that there are ways to tr train the mind and the heart uh, to be with what is without suffering with it to be with what is difficult, to be separated from what is beloved without suffering around it, without suffering 
with that reality instead, you know, noticing it, accepting it, or doing something about it, but staying balanced and connected to that universal truth among us. We've been in my family, I have a 10 year old and a 12 year old and a 46 year old (laughs) and my, my partner, my husband, and we've been, we started having these daily family meetings and they're based on this, um, this daily kind of meeting that my friend has with her family and kids. And sometimes we have a topic, you know, I'll bring a topic that we can talk about or a reading or something that I've heard here, something that I've read. Uh, And, you know, kind of everybody just weighs in on it. It's a way to get my kids, my family's thoughts about things that I wouldn't normally get. Sometimes we just have family business. Uh, We do it during dinner because that's when we're all together every day. Uh, It's very imperfect. (laughs) It's not at all, you know. It's imperfect. (laughs) Uh, But what we do almost every time, the main part of our family meeting is what we call what is called uh, roses and thorns. So some of you might have heard of this, but so we go around in a circle and say from our day what our roses were and what our thorns were, what was good and what was bad, you know, to put it plainly, what was fun and what felt good, what was challenging. And it's, uh, it's been really interesting to see, of course, what the roses are and what the thorns are. And actually, even in just the short time we've been doing this daily, um, how the definitions of what is a rose and what is a thorn have changed. So even my um, husband one day said, you know, he considers his work a thorn. It's just kind of a a typical mindset. You know, he has a job he doesn't love. It's not the worst job in the world, but it, you know, he has a lot of uh, conflict with it in way different small ways. And, and one day we were sitting at the table doing roses and thorns. And he said, well, my job is like it always is today, but I don't want it to be a thorn anymore. I don't want to think of it as a thorn. And my daughter said, great mindset. <laughs> and was, I know she's so encouraging, <laughs> but it really was. I mean, she nailed it. It's a great mindset. And that's been happening more and more watching, you know, each other define thorns. Actually, we've come to sort of define thorns as how we've dealt with something challenging, you know, so maybe something challenging came up, but if we didn't treat it as the enemy, then it didn't turn out to be a thorn. It just was what it was like a normal part of life. And, and even sometimes, you know, people can't think of a thorn. Oh, I just can't think of one. I don't think I had any thorns today. And then of course, being the helpers that we are, (laughs) but there was that, (laughs) but there was that 
remember that? <laughs> and, you know, the, the person will say, yeah, but it, you know, it's not really that big of a deal now that I think about it. And so it's, it's been interesting, especially to do this in the evening. You've had a whole day of roses and thorns, but also, you know, with some space and some perspective, uh, and, you know, having that question come up every single day, uh, we're beginning as a family to reflect differently on what a thorn is, even the very definition of a thorn. And that, to me, is uh, the foundation of this practice, uh, learning how to reflect on the very definition of a thorn. Now, what do we consider to be a challenge? What do we take up as the enemy? What do we um, give rise to conflict around? Uh, what is what are we contending with? One of our teachers, Ajahn Amara, talks about that uh, very beautifully and eloquently. You know, he asks the question, what am I contending with? He, he gives this wonderful story about going to India. He was going to travel to India and travel for a long time. And um, he was reflecting before he went about what kind of attitude he wanted to bring with him on his trip to India. And, you know, when monks travel, they're really at, I mean, traveling to the East is, is actually lovely for them because they, you know, they're, they're more among people who understand uh, monks and Buddhism and kind of this wandering ascetic practice. Uh, but also they're just really at the behest of their stewards, people taking them around, you know, feeding them. They really have to go with the flow. They don't, in our tradition, the monks don't carry money. You know, they have to, they're really relying on their conditions in many ways. And he, he decided that uh, he had one mantra and it was, I will not contend with anything. I will not contend with anything. And to me, that's so powerful. That's beautifully, beautifully powerful because things are going to, you know, he's going to get out of bed and all these things are going to be contending with him. You know, there's going to be missed trains and even missed meals, maybe. And, you know, long walks and, you know, language barriers. But he had set the intention to not contend with any of it. So to not pull it up as an argument, as an enemy, as something to... Uh, call a thorn, really, you know, rather taking things as they come, making the best decisions he could make, relying on his, you know, stewards and helpers, and then letting go what he didn't have control over. <clears throat> so there are times in my practice, I use that as an example, you know, Okay, I will not, today, I will not contend with anything. Now, that doesn't mean we don't deal with things or that we don't make an enormous effort to right wrongs as they arise, you know. But 
as much as possible, we come from a place of love. You know, I have a deep love for goodness. And so um, I'll stand up for this. I'll stand up for my values. I'll make a change, you know, as it needs to happen. I'll fight back against something that uh, is just wrong. Uh, However, it won't knock me off of balance. You know, in the Christian uh, religion and Christianity, compassion is a huge, huge part of the framework. But compassion, uh, you know, at least in Latin, it's, it's translated, you know, as you probably know, as to suffer with, you know, compassion, to suffer with. And in the Buddhist framework, it's, um, we're not suffering at all <laughs> when we're really deeply, truly compassionate because we have a lot of energy and we have, um, we see the beauty in uh, the solution and um, we see uh, <clears throat> our shared suffering with the people around us. There's no pity, you know? We don't have to suffer, actually, to be completely compassionate for others. 